on Sagittarian Matters, we taste weird vegan foods in the forest, plus advice about art, ranting about oldies songs, and more. With very special friends to the show, Morgan, Don Riddle, Kaya Wilson, and Torrance. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. Listeners, I come to you today with something I have been wanting to talk about for years. I hope you're sitting down and I hope you've listened to the oldie station in your lifetime because the thing I want to talk to you today about, the thing that is on the cutting edge, the crucial thing we need to discuss, are the lyrics to the song, Wake Up Little Susie by the Everly Brothers. Wake up, little Susie, wake up. This song came out who knows when. A long time ago, it's been on oldies radio, so I've listened to it since I was a little kid, and the math never made sense. Here's the plot of the song. A guy is talking to his date. They're both teenagers, I'm guessing. So he's like, wake up, little Susie. We both fell asleep in the movie theater. I told your parents I'd have you home by 10 p.m., but now it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Looks like we goofed again. Um, the movie, just because the movie was boring. The movie wasn't so hot. It didn't have much of a plot. Yeah, people are gonna, I guess people, I mean, well, who's gonna talk about the reputation, the parents? The parents are gonna start telling everybody, hey, that, that little Susie and her boyfriend were humping at the movies till four o'clock in the morning. I don't think that's what's gonna happen next. Okay, a few things. The time is what I'm here to talk about, but also like the other, the secondary plot of it, like, oh no, we're so late that everyone's going to talk. Do you need to tell everyone in the town that somehow you fell asleep in a movie for like seven hours? I mean, if you, if, okay, let's break this down. So you picked her up for a date, let's say what, 6 PM, 6.30, maybe you had a a hamburger at the malt shop, you had a shake at the soda counter, then you were going to go see a movie that I'm going to presume was going to be over around 9 or 9.30 p.m. So you had time to get home, you know, to walk home and, you know, maybe go to first base. Okay. How in the world did you fall asleep for what? Are we saying you fell asleep for seven hours? And nobody in the movie theater, you didn't wake up when the credits started rolling. You didn't wake up when the lights went on in the theater. There's no ushers at this theater. Nobody works there. Nobody was cleaning the theater or said, get out. Like, was it one of those things like in a movie where someone's shaking the person really hard being like, wake up, wake up. And they just didn't because they were so asleep. Because, okay, because you listen to the song. And they're saying, oh, you were supposed to be home by 10, but guess, you better wake up. It's 4 o'clock. We overslept. The movie was that bad. Also, you're saying you slept through the whole movie and then all that stuff. Okay, so growing up, I let it go because I was like, oh, there. this is like 
a guise or a ruse. I don't understand. They actually went and just like had teen, you know, teen goings on, like they made out or did it or whatever. They did some other thing for seven hours and they got so wrapped up in that that it, it's now four o'clock. I just don't, I don't understand. Cause like, as I grew up, I was like, wait a minute. So are they trying to say like, we were monkeying around, we were screwing around and now you're late. And I was like, no, it seems like from the song lyrics, they're actually saying they just fell asleep in the movie theater for that long. You listen to it yourselves, listeners. I mean, certainly this is top of mind for a lot of you. I know some of you even write, you know, music criticism. So certainly you've gone over this in your mind many times. If you can find an alternate case for this or an explanation, please let me know. And also, if I was Susie's parents and somebody showed up like fucking Walter White on Breaking Bad coming out of a fugue state, just like showing up in the street like, oh, I didn't realize the movie was so bad that I fell asleep for 13 days. You know, I would just be like, what? You're never seeing this kid again. I don't even know what you guys were doing. You lost time. Does he have a time machine? Did you go through a wormhole? Like, is he a magician? Like, give me a break. You're never seeing this person again. There would be no opportunity for your reputation to be shot because what would happen is you just wouldn't see each other anymore. I'd be like, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. I don't know what's wrong with you. Did he give you a sleeping pill? Did he also give himself a sleeping pill? I don't understand what's going on in the movie theater. How did they even get out of the movie theater? Okay, this is the other question from my youth. It's four o'clock in the morning. Obviously, everybody's gone. Aren't all the doors locked? Is there goose cooked because they're locked in the movie theater until it opens again the following afternoon? Like, how did they even get out of the movie theater? Did they, he was like, hey, little Susie, uh, part two of the song is I wrap a towel around my hand and like punch out a window and then reach through and try to get the doorknob. I don't, I really don't understand this song. Somehow it's a classic, so much so that they played it on commercial radio for all of my youth without anybody giving a disclaimer. This song doesn't make any sense. This song makes no sense. The plot of this song is full of holes. I don't even understand why I'm supposed to take away from this song. Okay. Uh, Listeners, let me know what you think and um, enjoy the show. Sagittarian matters. How do I get over feeling too old to start a new hobby? I'm 38. Sincerely, elderly and Elston. Dear elderly, you're never too old to start a new hobby. You really are never too old to start a new hobby. The only shame is what you don't try that you always wanted to try. So actually, If you're feeling old, I hope you feel more hastened to do the hobbies or things that you've always wanted to do or new things that you didn't even realize you could have been doing this whole time. When I volunteered at the Senior Citizen Center, Miss Willoughby, who was our matriarch of our zine project, you know, she is a real lifelong learner. She's somebody who was 80 years old maybe when I met her. She had grown up picking cotton as a kid. She had been a nurse as an adult. She had been a foster parent as an adult. And now in her retirement, she was taking up beading. She was taking up sewing. She would make everybody aprons. She contributed to our zine and I taught her how to draw. We taught her some drawings and all those things just, you know, it it just brought her a little spark of joy. 
the thing you have to remember about a hobby is you don't have to be good at it. You don't have to like master the hobby. It's just the enjoyment of doing the thing and just seeing if it gives you a kick, seeing if it gives you a little happiness. And if it does, great. 38 isn't too old for anything. I mean, honestly, I just started running. I'm 40 years old. I ran one time before seven years ago and I hurt my knees because I did it too much because I was listening to Gangnam Style on a loop and it was just so fun that I was running so fast I had never run before that I hurt my knees. Here I am seven years later getting back into it. I am so slow. I am so slow. I don't understand how to do it yet so my uh, my headphone cords flopping around, my fanny packs banging against me. It's very uncomfortable, but I'm trying it. I'm starting new things. So, um, you know, lifelong learner. It sounds like a dorky thing to call yourself, but secretly, I think that's the best way to be. You're not, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Okay. Next question. Dear Sagittarian Matters, how do you narrow down a project? I have too many art ideas from Ambitious in Alabama. Dear Ambitious, well, how do you narrow down a project? Okay, for me, there are some projects I'm just compulsed to do on a daily basis. I'm somebody who keeps a lot of plates going at the same time. I always have diary comics, um, a notebook, with my diaries, with my drawings, with sketches from meetings, with notations, with all the podcast stuff. I have all that stuff in notebooks and I'm just gonna do that no matter what. As far as long-term things for me, you know, and I'll also keep going like, okay, I also have like a giant painting going because I found a giant canvas and I wanted to do something with it besides throw it away. So I'm working on a giant painting of a manatee. Okay, that's there whenever I choose to pick it up. As for longer projects, I wait to see what is asked for. So that could be you just with yourself being like, ooh, this is the project that makes me the most excited or this is the project I need to get out of me that will feel like cathartic or important or is calling me or has the most trouble in it and so I need to resolve something through this project or understand something that's been nagging at me through this project. Or somebody just offered me money for this or there's a deadline. The deadline could be you want to submit to an anthology. You want to submit to a group art show. You want to submit this to something or you know you personally have some friends that are doing something in this vein. That's one way to, to kind of hone it down because probably one of your projects goes best with a deadline if you know what I mean. So that's what I do. I personally have a trillion comics I could do at any given time, but I wait to see if money avails itself to me and then I follow that direction. Or if there's something I have to get off my chest, I will just draw it, whether there's anything there for me financially or not. Or if it's for something like Instagram, I just, I'll go towards what people seem to gravitate towards. My friends really seem to enjoy anonymous fuzzballs. I get a lot out of that. So you know, sometimes if those other projects are on the back burner or they're on a pause or something's happening with them, I'll do a fuzzball. Um, so what I'm saying, friend, is it's okay to have lots of projects going at once. Just make sure that you actually get to a place of completion. This is a side note you didn't ask for. I've said this before, and I say it in class, perfectionism is the enemy of productivity. And I think if you are beginning as an artist which I think this 
advice asker may be just from inside knowledge I have. Um, if you're just getting into your artistic voice again or you're trying a new thing, try your best to finish something. Whether it feels perfect or not, just try your best to get to the place of something being finished. Don't let it sit around for long enough for you to look at it again and be like, wait, I don't like it, or for your style to change so much that you want to overhaul the whole thing. Just let something be a testament to where you are right now. So I would actually set those goals very low. If you're just starting out, set those goals low. If you are a cartoonist, one page of comics. If you are a painter or whatever, just one piece, just finish one piece. I challenge myself when I sit down to draw, if I really fuck up a drawing, like the first third of the way through, and I have the instinct to just can it, I don't, I finish every drawing. Because if you just keep drawing, and if you just keep working at the thing, you know, part of being an artist is working with your mistakes, covering up your mistakes or working with them or using them as an opportunity to do something different that you hadn't anticipated when you sat down. So generally by the time I get to the end of a piece, even if I messed something up early on, I will find something redeemable. I, by continuing the drawing, I've allowed something redeemable to come forth. And then I'm glad that I didn't just have a trash can full of half finished drawings. I have a drawing that later when I find it, I won't even remember the thing that annoyed me so much. You know, and for me, part of being artist is I mess up the eyeballs. Guess what? They're wearing sunglasses. I mess up just one of the eyes. Okay, it's an eye patch. I draw something I didn't mean to draw. Okay, that whole area is black. Oh, it's nighttime. It's dark. Someone's wearing sunglasses. I had to fill in all those spaces. I had to fill in all those things I messed up. But now I have a wonderful drawing of someone standing in the dark wearing sunglasses and their friend who's wearing an eye patch. Thank you for your question. And I would love to see whatever you do. Um... And if you can't find an external thing to give you a deadline, give yourself a deadline. You can tell one of your friends, I'm going to send you this drawing in three months. And you have three months to work on it. Dear Sagittarius Matters, when you hit a big work deadline, how do you manage all the changes, schedule, tasks, etc.? Well, signed, deadline in Denver. Dear deadline in Denver, I can't tell if you're saying... When you hit a big work deadline, like the postpartum that comes when you finish a big project, when you finish a big deadline, because that's one thing is you work really hard on something and maybe you even work on it with a team. This happens when people go on tour. This happens when people, you know, write a book or do a huge project. It, it, it's like you're giving birth to something, not to, you know, make you imagine like a book coming out of your body but it's like you're giving birth to something and then there is a postpartum period of a low there's something called the post-tour blues which is when you finished like all that inertia is gone like that momentum you were just racing through the month on tour trying to get to every place just trying to do your best to exist in every moment working on a project with a group of your friends and then you stop and everything hits you and you just feel empty because you don't have a thing to do every morning anymore no one's giving you a per diem and telling you, here's where your food is. Here's what you're doing. But I think what you're saying is, how do you arrange your schedule to hit a big work deadline? If that's the case, I personally, um, I tell students this, and this is very comic centric. So please take what you like and leave the rest to apply it to your own life. People who listen to the podcast have heard me say this stuff a million times. Number one, make a progress thermometer. A progress thermometer 
this is hearkening back to your elementary school food drive. You're literally drawing a thermometer on a piece of paper. You're putting notch marks on it. And every time you sit down and do something for your project, you're gonna fill in one of the bars and you're gonna put the date. And if you want to, you can write what you got done. For me, it's like, okay, I have to do a 200 page book. That's how big the thermometer is, you know? And then I'm gonna mark, okay, you know, here's 10 pages, here's five pages, whatever. And every time I pencil a page, I can outline a little block. And every time I ink a page, I can fill in a little block. So that way it keeps you motivated and you actually get to see your progress when your work feels so huge that it feels like a drop in the bucket. The other thing is, this is a comics thing again, so apply as you will. Um, I like to ink out of order. The finishing of my work I do out of order. So of course the moon and the stars have to be aligned for me to do the actual thumbnailing or the actual writing, the generation of the story. So I've generated a story through the perfect amount of caffeine and isolation and inspiration and whatever. Okay, just to be like a Nike poster, inspiration and then perspiration so you're inspired you get it all down so then for cartoonists then i have to get it edited maybe that involves me thumbnailing it again that involves me penciling my pages so that's drawing them in pencil and then i have to ink them so what i like to do if i have a long project is say okay if i do these out of order if i draw them out of order if i ink them out of order later on readers won't be able to tell what my style was like when I started versus when I finished. Because if I'm working on a book that's taking me four years, my hand is going to change. My style is going to change a little bit. It might be imperceptible to other people, but cartoonists know what I'm talking about. But so this serves you and this could serve your project because there's days when I feel low, when I feel gloomy, something bad has happened, or I'm overworked, I have too many jobs, I'm tired, whatever. I will do easy pages those days just so I can keep that ball moving forward, so I can keep filling out my progress thermometer. I will do easy pages on days where I feel like I need something easy. I'm still moving it forward, but you know, I'm not giving myself something that's too hard that's gonna break my brain. If you're feeling really low and you're a cartoonist, this could even just be you like, you know, inking your panel borders. Something that is mindless, doesn't take any soul, is just inking your panel borders. And then different days when I've, you know, as they used to say, had my Wheaties, when I've had a bunch of coffee, when I'm feeling good, things are going my way, I have a great soundtrack, whatever. Those are the days where I let myself do the really hard pages or the pages that, you know, I think about like in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the bucket of snakes. Like he goes to the pet store, it's on fire. He goes and he, he keeps looking at the snakes and he's like, ew. And he goes in and he gets every other animal first and then he saves the snakes for last and comes out and passes out. It's like, what's the snakes? Okay, do that on a day where you feel robust for your project and then plan to just keep moving that ball forward all the time that you can. Um, I like to keep normal office hours and I am very fine about telling people I don't want to hang out. People are like, let's go have dinner. Okay, I have to leave at 6 p.m. because I have to clock in at 6.30. Oh, you have a job? What's your job? Doing art is my job. I get a little more defensive about it than people need probably to be, but um, it's like art's my job. I got to go. I can't stay for drinks. I got to go to work. And then do whatever you feel you have the heart or stomach for that day. Something easy, something mid-range, something hard. 
a planning thing, an inspiration thing, or maybe just the rote work of it. Maybe just outlining stuff to keep you going. I hope that's helpful in some way. Uh, the other thing I want to say, which I've said on the podcast many times, is if you have to have a side job while you're doing your art project, get something that's not going to plague you during your art time. If there's any kind of work you can pick up that you can put down when it's time for you to clock into your studio. It's not necessary, excuse me, I'm opening the door of the Sagittarius Matter Social Distancing Studio. It's not necessary that your art is paying your bills, but whatever pays your bills, hopefully, you know, you're not like the manager of a Trader Joe's where people are calling you in the middle of the night because somebody lost the key or broke in. Hopefully it's like something simple that at the end of the day, you can put it down and pick up your pen. Dear Sagittarius Matters, that's it. Those are all the questions. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your questions. Please send me more questions. I am in the middle of a teaching semester, a teaching extravaganza of the summertime. And so my brain is really going with these comics questions, but I will answer your questions about anything. Ask me about dogs. Ask me about manners. Ask me about work, about relationships, about food. Please ask me about food. I would love to answer your questions. Please call the Sagittarius Matters hotline, 971-361-9998. We'd love to hear your voices, even if you have to disguise your voice with a really fun accent. Have a lovely summer. I'll talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Julie Williams Art, Emily Helmus, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Hi, listeners. A few weeks ago, spouse to the show, Kaya Wilson, and I drove to the forest near Timothy Lake to try a very special sesame crunch cake prepared for Morgan by friend to the show, Don Riddle. What follows is a sung review of the cake, spoken reviews of the cake, and reviews of more things, including special cheese and sour cream beanie toes chips, a vegan Rice Krispie treat, some talk about not milk, and more. Enjoy. I thought the cake would be dry when I took a look at it, but as it turns out, it was pretty nice and wet. Is that fine? Yeah. It and wet, that's an okay rhyme. And it tasted like almonds, but kind of like amaretto, too. Like almond, it's like how amaretto is very much more kind of, what is it, more perfumey, more fragrant, mm-hmm. more yeah, flowery. And it just had a nice kind of soft taste profile. Buckwheat is good for you. Buckwheat is a superfood. Buckwheat is good for you. 
buckwheat is a superfood, it's a pseudo-grain. It's not actually a grain. It's in the rhubarb family. Buckwheat has naturally occurring tryptophan. Make you feel nice and mellow. Tryptophans. I'm a fan. Are you a fan? We're all such fans of tryptophan. Help our serotonin. Morgan. Happy birthday, Morgan. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. We have a very special guest here today, a guest chef who Um, will be making us a dream meal of all the original recipes coming up. But we have a preview today. It is friend to the show, Don Riddle. Hello. Chef. Yes, chef. Don, what is this? This is a cake that I named Sesame Crunch Cake. It is a recipe adapted from a cookbook that the name evades me, but it is making vegan foods with uh, baked goods with no sugar, processed sugar. So this is a gluten-free, vegan, processed sugar-free sesame crunch cake. Mm. It's got tahini in there and it's got sesame crunchy topping with salt. Mm. Mm. Now I asked this before, but I ask it again. Is this more savory or is this more sweet? It walks the line. It is a cake for sure. But if you are not a sugar head, this is the cake for you. This is the cake for you. All right. Morgan, uh, it's your birthday. We're at a campground. You're wielding a knife. We have uh, Sum chocolate sweet tahini halva spread, which has been talked about on the podcast. We also have Mama Lil's peppers. That's a, that's a more savory thing. But uh, all right, Morgan, take it away. Yes, chef. Let the cutting begin. Can you hear the crunch? No. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. So this is a round, single-layer cake. It's tan. It has black <laughs> sesame seeds, white sesame seeds, and flake salt. And the flowers in it are buckwheat, almond meal, and coconut flour, which I haven't used before, but I had very little in the bag and I thought let's just put it in there and empty this bag let's just see how it goes a celebration of flowers and I usually don't have alt milks Mm. but then my downstairs neighbor cleaned out her pantry and gave me powdered coconut milk wow and there was no um description on the bag of how to use it so I added water and some flax seeds why not yeah, of course. <laughs> that's all you need for milk. So that's what's in there. All right. Okay. Put in the alternative and alternative milk. <laughs> it was very alternative. Wait, can I tell both of you as Morgan's cutting this that Kaya and I tried not milk? Oh, oh my God. I love not milk. Oh, Torrance <laughs> reveals. <laughs> I'm so okay. curious to know what you Wait, think. Wait, yeah. I had wondered if you wanted to talk about this, but I thought since it was Morgan's birthday, maybe she wouldn't want to start talking about not milk for the podcast, but here we are. What else would I want to talk about? <laughs> and secretly, Kaya's here too in the corners. I think Torrance here. With an opinion corners. on not milk. Yeah. It seems it would be a good accompaniment to I this would cake. Love a cold oh, glass of not milk with this, yeah. <laughs> with this not cake. Can I drizzle and, and top? Well, I want to try without the drizzle okay, first. Okay, great idea. We'll talk about not milk in a second. A we got to try this cake. It's so scary to make a cake for someone. Mm. Hell yeah. Good. Just mm. the sound. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, cool. it works. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. The crunch. Yeah, chef. I just got some French and it is delightful. Mm. Now that you've tasted it, mm. do you think it's sweet or savory? 
I think it's a little bit of both. It's you know what? It's as sweet as a scone. It's mm. savory. The mm-hmm. sweet level, I would say, is as sweet as a scone, but it's not dense. Because of your alternative flowers you used, like maybe the buckwheat flour in particular, it's kind mm. of crumbly in a really satisfying coffee cake way. Yeah, I know Dawn was saying, if only we had a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn, you are also mm. the originator of a bowl with some tahini, <laughs> some cocoa powder, some maple syrup, and some flake salt. I did not describe it well enough on the podcast, and I'm afraid people were putting the salt just in with everything else, not sprinkling. Somebody asked me for ratios. <laughs> and oh, shit. <laughs> maybe I'm going to say for me, single serving, fourth cup to a third cup tahini, a teaspoon or tablespoon of cocoa powder, depending on how I'm feeling, a tablespoon or so of tahini-ish, or I'm sorry, of maple syrup-ish, and then a sprinkle of Maldon on top. Yeah, I would... Mix that up. I put golden raisins and walnuts in there too. Oh, see, I like that. I it's like a like lot a, of texture. It's like a chunky. It's golden like a chunky. Raisins? Mm. I just don't have any regular. So, and mm. golden raisins feel fancier to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have the word gold mm-hmm. in them. Yeah, I'll try that. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're now trying with fresh cherries and the sum tahini oh, yeah. hazelnut spread. It just keeps getting better. Mm. Okay, Morgan, can you describe this cake? <clears throat> Crumbly and light, slightly sweet, crunchy on top, very tender. The sesame, shockingly, doesn't feel overwhelming to me, even though there's a lot of sesame in here. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I'm trying it with cherries. It tastes almondy to me. Mm. Well, there's almond meal in it. Almond mm. meal. Wow, but the almond meal tastes like... Amaretto. Yeah, it tastes like it has an amaretto, like mm-hmm. a strong, actual, like, almond flavoring. There's oh, a lot wow. of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's giving the mm-hmm. amaretto. Wow, I'm gonna. Yeah, the cherry. Wow. All right, all right. Um, can we tell you about not milk as we're enjoying this? Yes, Whoa, For- this is my birthday cake. You guys, happy birthday, Don. <laughs> happy birthday. Wait. No, no, no. <laughs> this is wonderful. Try this. Mm-hmm. 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 I didn't ask consent. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cherry. Oh, yeah. oh, well, and some chocolate tahini. I wish I knew the name of the market for the cherry. It's so good. <laughs> These are local. I feel yeah. like mm. it's really hard to eat a thing on a podcast and talk about it because you've got stuff in your mouth. Mm. Well, and then you're like, how do you talk about things? Well, what we do is we usually eat just one bite of the thing and then we stop eating it, talk about it, and then we don't get to eat everything until we're done recording. No but right now, because it's how could you stop? Morgan's damn birthday and this cake is delicious, <laughs> everyone, we just keep eating and we're kind of still just like... Mm. Mm. You want to go again? This is great. <laughs> I, would, I, yeah. I would eat this for breakfast. It it's a good breakfast. Okay. Snack. Here's, uh, here's our, my controversy. <laughs> Kaya and I, no, I don't no. want to speak for you, but... It appeared to me the chicory was too strong in the knot milk for me to have it be a neutral creamer. It was almost for coffee, like for coffee. for coffee. It wasn't making my coffee creamy. It was just making it milky, if there's a distinction. There's a distinction. It was like thin. And so then I was adding so much that it was diluting the heat in the coffee and making it just milky. And then I was adding so much that I was tasting the chicory. And I was like, well, I don't oh, want a roast the, aroma. The cabbage. Was it the cabbage? Okay, so as someone that has, you know, had a lot of, you know, alt creamers in my mm-hmm. in my decades, um, I was like, oh, it's kind of novel to have coffee that tastes like it has milk in it, mm-hmm. where it's milky coffee. But I know exactly what you're talking about, and I was like, this is cool. This is kind of cool. It's not sweet. It's cabbagey and chicory-ish. 
Mm -hmm. It's a second choice creamer. Mm. But it wonder, doesn't mm. curdle. I wonder if they'd come out with a creamer, like thicken it somehow. Not cream. Just oil. Not cream. Mm. Not cream. Mm. Um, I want to give credit where credit's due. It's called Naturally Sweet Vegan Treats. That's <laughs> the name of the cookbook. A real hit. Yeah. A real hit. And what is this called in the cookbook? Um, it's called Our Favorite Gluten-Free Vanilla Caramel Cake. There's nothing <laughs> caramel in there, um, in their recipe or mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and But I have made this recipe. This is my fourth version of it. I've never put the ingredients in the recipe in it, um, and I've never made it the same way twice. Always turns out good. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was going to say, it seems it seems like it could be dry, right? You look at it, it seems like it could be dry. You, you start to bite into it. Yeah. It crumbles. Mm. But then there's this... It doesn't mm. feel dry in your mouth. It like yeah. becomes wet. It's like some <laughs> cotton candy effect. It's like really interesting no, that it, it that, that it's very very tasty. Wet. It's yeah. It's just like breaks down like a softly like you said. I think a gentle or a tender a tender texture. Mm. Yeah. This is a yeah, little tender texture. Mm -hmm. It's a gentle texture. Mm -hmm. This one's a little drier than I. I think I maybe baked it a little longer. Mm. Still good. Still good. Mm -hmm. Still good. Yeah. <laughs> 350, uh, 32 minutes. I can't believe you, like, your, your baking is incredible to be able to not, I thought, I thought the whole thing of baking is just like, you really have to follow the instructions to get it. Otherwise it's, you know. I am new to baking. I have been cooking a long time. Baking, I felt decidedly not skilled, but then I, my friend asked me to make her wedding cake. And I got really stressed out, so I just started baking cakes to practice. And then I made her four different cakes for her wedding. But I had made so many cakes that they were good. <laughs> so just practice. Just practice. Just practice. Mm, get the feel for it. Yeah. Have you tried these? Made um, good uh, vanilla crispy square. Free really from nuts and safe for schools. They're <laughs> vegan rice crispy treats. Thank God. And they um, include uh, ingredients such as Brown rice syrup, salt, vegetable extracts, including spinach, broccoli, carrots, Whoa! tomatoes, beets, Whoa! shiitake, mushrooms. They have it all. Mushrooms. They're, they're quite delicious. May I try? But, yes, Please. this one's a little greasy. My apologies. May I hold? Yes. Morgan, do you want to narrate? Nicole is tearing open a robin's egg blue package, silver <laughs> interior, to reveal inside a caramel-colored rice crispy treat. Mm -hmm. Rice, puffed rice snack treat. How's it smell? Smells bad. Smells bad. What smells can like? Smell yeah, oh my god, this is a scandal. This it smells like a dried apricot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, it smells like shiitake. Mm, it it smells, smells like, like a caramel creamer, like a caramel mm -hmm. coffee made. Mm -hmm. Is what it smells like to me. <laughs> smells like a Luna bar, a little bit. Like a yes. Luna bar. Oh yeah, we got an international delight. Luna bar. Nuts over chocolate, right there. I think. Tastes great. It's great. Nicole's <laughs> eating broccoli right now. <laughs> it's light. It's crispy. Marshmallowy. Marshmallowy. There's such a negligible amount of broccoli in there. Mm. I don't know. Check the label. It, does it have an odd aftertaste? No, sort of. Oh, I never noticed one. Does the sweetness feel like a little unholy? Yes. It, it does. To me, it tastes like um, a fruit type cereal. Mm. Like Ooh. Fruit Loop or something. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you, yep. There's a lot of fruit taste. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I'm not upset about it. Mm -hmm. We buy these for dessert. Yeah, yeah. They're dessert. I mean, it'll be nice with some uh, salty nuts. Yeah. Ooh. Salty it's nuts. So, it's so sweet. You heard it yeah, here. Like balancer. Yeah. <laughs> mm. well, we've salty had nuts. Quite a, quite an array of things today. 
Wow. Quite an array of things. Do you have anything to say about the Beanfields cheddar sour cream vegan yeah, chips with the word vegan on the front? Mm. I like a bean chip. So I'm already in the camp that's like in the the I, not the A, not the na- yay, yay, nay, nothing, yay. She's in the yay camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, okay. Torrance would buy these. I think they're a little sweet in a way that's strange to me, mm. but I like the texture really so much. They do stick to your teeth in a way that bean chips do, but um, they're light and dense and flaky and crispy and chewy. Do you need cheddar and sour cream on a chip? Would no. you be able to identify that those were the flavors if you did not read the package? No. Why not just call it a creamy cheddar? Creamy cheddar. Mm-hmm. Why, does it, is, is it creamy? I thought it was. Is it different than a nacho cheddar? Yes. Nacho yeah. Okay. I think I wanted more sour. Mm-hmm. That's what I was hoping for, like, or some sort of, like, acid or something just to linger, or a spice. To linger I, on yeah, a little longer. On the, on, yeah. <laughs> you never have just sour cream chips. It's like sour cream and chive, mm-hmm. sour cream and onion. Mm. I think we're lacking the, the, the allium. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Says the gardening hat. <laughs> I just want to... Don, will you read what the, some of the teeny tiny writing on the front of the bag? The, on the bag, there's a giant chip on the cover of the bag that's the same size as the bag. And if you were wondering if that was the real size, no. There's some fine print. Enlarged to be bold. And bold is in bold font and all caps. What does it say on the back? Oh, it's a lot of uh, all caps here. Okay, it also mentions that they're bold. <laughs> It's really like they put me in charge of the the design work. Um, Say hello to the bold bean chip. These tasty chips deliver the perfect combination of flavor and crunch. Ingredients that are non-GMO, gluten-free, always vegan, and positively addicting. I beg to differ. (laughs) Are you different? You want to go to BA, Beanfields Anonymous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like a Beanfield. I like a Beanfield chip. Maybe it's the sour cream. I'm not sure about the ombre bag. <laughs> oh, it's the bag that's offensive. Um, They've rebranded, and I prefer their old uh, design. This, this is their um, copy. Um, they say that this chip culminates in strong notes of, give me crunch, crunch, wow, yum, mm, crunch, crunch, more, please. <laughs> Do we have anything else? Which I would describe as bold. That is bold. Well, I think the bold part is that, you know, just like how I think it's very bold that Energy Egg Replacer has a quiche recipe on the back of the box for their powdered egg replacer, which is like just like starch and leavener. No flavor, zero flavor. (laughs) No flavor. Bold! And just like, I feel like Rice Dream has a similarly like weird recipe on the back forever for like chili or something. (laughs) It is bold for a chip made out of a bean that tastes nothing like sour cream to make all these statements. That's bold. And also, I love the fact that the chip is the size of a piece of pizza on the bag and they have to let you know. It's not actually, it says, their phone number is 1-855-EAT-BEANS. I'm jealous. I actually... That's the sound of a campground you hear right now. We're well, in guess nature. What, Morgan? For your birthday, we got you a new phone number. Oh my! Nine seven one eat beans. <laughs> Call me. Hi, listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics 
and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. I'm back. Where are you and what are you eating? Wow. In a garage, in the forest. Um, surrounded by friends, family, loved ones, and we are eating. Uh, so sorry, Ponyo. Um, Morgan just opened up a cookie and spilled chocolate onto the dog's fur. It did do that like cookie melt thing, which was really nice. Um, generic vegan pre scooped cookie pucks that you take home and it, they're taken bake. Mm-hmm. Chocolate chip cookies from Fred Meyer, Simple Truth brand. We brought them to a party just to share with Nicole. Okay. There's a dog in the background. It's not ours. No, Ponyo's perfect. Wow. You know, for like a generic supermarket cookie brand, I mean, I really want to do a whole tour of generic, whatever that is, like house branded. Um, I think there's a dog upstairs, maybe locked in there. Oh, my God. Free your dog. <laughs> the rest will follow. Um, they're chewy. Mm-hmm. They suggested 18, 17 to 20 minutes, and I did 18. Okay. So, I mean, for convenience, 100 out of 100. You just put some pucks on a tray, turn the oven on, and you're done. We did them in the toaster oven. I'd pay three fifty for this cookie. You know what? I think that's what they cost. <laughs> for one cookie? Yeah. You get a dozen. What a deal. Uh, okay, well, so I have something weird for us. For Duncan? Mm-hmm. Spouse to the show, Kaya, bought this. I think it's Califia brand. Mushroom oat milk. What kind of mushrooms? I did not bring the container. Oh my gosh. Because I knew it was going to be out all day. I'm dying to know. So Is this medicinal? And I don't mean hallucinogenic. Oh, okay, we're going to get smart. No, but I want to tell you something, which is I recently started taking turkey tail. Okay. We've drank turkey tail. But yeah. I started taking turkey tail. It has done wonders to my digestion. What? Yeah. What? Problems I have had for a long time. This turkey tail really soothed. I'm really glad to hear this. Mushrooms. Finally getting the respect they deserve. Check them out. Do you want to try this? Yeah. Okay. Hot to the touch in a tiny plastic (laughs) container. Maybe it had like a skin lotion in it before. It's been in my tote bag. (laughs) For like five hours in 90 degree heat. It looks like it has the Smithsonian logo on the front, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, I am living in a subletted house in Portland, Oregon, where there just happens to be these tiny plastic Tupperwares in the cupboards, in the kitchen, in the kitchen. I didn't want to bring the whole oat carton because I knew we would be out for, you know, eight hours today. And so I thought, oh, I'm just going to put one of these tiny little plastic things, bring it to Morgan. It looks um, reminiscent of breast milk. Yeah. 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 All right. Straight from the teat. Here we go. Thin Hmm. in a non to low fat in a 1% range. Mm -hmm. I taste no mushrooms. This tastes fine. Really neutral. Would you put it in your coffee? I like a creamy coffee, so I might skip on this one. Does it hold up to coffee? Question. We can decide. Figure (gasps) this out at home. Part two. You'll have to tune in. Okay. This is great. 
I put in other stuff. I would drink it. It might be better if it was cold. <laughs> I don't see how that could be. <laughs> That's not possible. 90 degree milk on a 90 degree, degree day. Does it taste like breast milk? I've never had. Mm. So I can't say yay or nay. But it's not very sweet. It's not super rich or like flavory. It's just very neutral. Is yeah, it non-offensive? Mm. I'm 100% not offended. Mm. And if it helped my... If it had turkey tail in it, yeah, digestion and brain and, and everything else, yeah, I would definitely buy this. Oh, wonderful. Anybody who has seen or heard of Paul Stamet, the mushroom man, he helped treat his mother's cancer with turkey tail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. And then I was at the store and I was like, $60. I'll be a monkey's uncle. <laughs> and then it's, it's, but one of the things it said, I was like, what's it good for? And it said gastrointestinal issues. And yeah. what, what am I if not? <laughs> a GI issue. A GI issue. So. <laughs> GI orges. I really, I really like turkey tail, and I'm so glad you like this oat mushroom milk. I really think, you know, we're, we're in the time of mushrooms. We're in the time of mushrooms. Fi- I, finally. I'm really happy about it. Yeah. I can't wait. Um. I would definitely buy that. I really want to know exactly what, what's in it. We'll have to do a part two. Yeah, we'll do a part two. Yeah. Morgan, these cookies are great. I give them a thumb up. I give them five stars. Wow. You are a professional baker, and I feel like you, you sprinkled some of your magic onto these because the edges are crispy. The inside <laughs> is chewy. They're everything you want a chocolate chip cookie to be. Wow. They're not funky in any direction. They're not, they're not Morgan funky with too few chocolate chips. I hate too many chips. <laughs> But they're also not Nicole Funky with too many chocolate chunks. There's no sea salt. There's nothing weird about them. They're very classic. Everything you want a classic cookie to be. And you do love a substitution. A classic Nicole dessert is like, I made this chocolate chip cookie recipe that you sent me. But I did sub, you know, seven out of ten ingredients. I didn't. (laughs) Three out of ten. Definitely. But, um, yeah, they're not funky in any which way. And they are chewy in the middle, crispy on the edge. I'm going to try to explore the entire line of Simple Truth. Okay. Generic products. Yeah. Um, so this is just just a little um, amuse-bouche, an appetizer. Wonderful. And the, the feast to come. Well, Morgan, thanks for amusing my bouche. <laughs> okay, your bouche is my bouche. And Ponyo, sorry, there's uh, chocolate on your fur. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by... Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.